Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. As we turn the calendar into the year 2023, we'll be commemorating 20 years in the life of Rolling Hills Community Church. Anniversaries offer us the chance to reflect on where we've been, where we are now, and where we hope to go. Our church's calling has always been to be a people of God, reaching out, growing up, and giving all. How has God brought this vision to life in the past, and how can we continue pressing toward this vision in the future? Join us this January as we celebrate the testimonies, salvations, baptisms, miracles, I'm Jennifer Akers, and I've been going to Rolling Hills for 20 years now. So I found Rolling Hills in 2003. I had just started at Belmont University, and I was a freshman there, and church had always been a really big part of my life. And so right away, as soon as I got to Nashville, every Sunday I was at a different church trying to find a place that felt like home. And after Christmas break, I came home from Texas and went back to Tennessee for school. And one of the first churches I found after getting back to Tennessee was Rolling Hills. The message was so important for what I was walking through in that season. The worship was so powerful. And even in a small conference room at a hotel, I felt so connected to God in that moment. And I actually didn't visit a single church after that. I knew right away on that Sunday that that was the place that I wanted to be, and that was the church I wanted to connect to. And so pretty soon after those first Sundays at Rolling Hills, I connected with some of the leaders there and asked how I could help. And I started out in kids ministry. And so I was helping on Sundays with kiddos and playing with them and watching them. Um, I found a community group right away, and I was with some awesome families like the Thomases and Kecks who are still around today, and they poured into me in such a powerful way. As a college student in a new area, it can be a little bit intimidating to find community and to find friends and to find people that will help you feel like you're at home when you're so far away from your actual home, and I felt that with our community group. And so all of my college years, I was at Rolling Hills. In 2010, I finally got up the nerve to audition for the worship team. And I was so excited that they said, yeah, we'd love for you to be a part of what's happening here. I remember the first Sunday I was on the worship team, I got to lead Sing to the King, an old worship song. And I knew then this is what I want to do. In 2000. 20, I moved into this role of associate worship pastor at Rolling Hills. I'm so grateful that this is what the Lord has called me to, and I'm so grateful that He's given me a home 
to worship Him and to share the love of Jesus. The past 20 years, Rolling Hills has been my home. It was my home when I was a college student in a new city, in a new place, trying to look for community. It was my home when I got married to my husband and was learning what it looked like to be a newlywed. It was my home when we brought home our first baby and our second and our third. And it's been my church home as I've watched my kids grow up and connect to their ministry areas and learn what it looks like to follow Jesus. I am so thankful for Rolling Hills and that I get to grow up in this incredible place. Good morning. If you are thinking to yourself in that video, it does not look like she has aged in these 20 years. Um, I can assure you she has, uh, and some of us just wear it a little better than others, I suppose. I am so excited um, about this Sunday in the life of Rolling Hills and where we are as a church as we celebrate 20 years uh, of being in existence and getting to watch people just like that grow up in their faith and in spiritual maturity from college students all the way up. I can tell you um, with joy, and a lot of people who have been with us since day one as a part of the Nashville campus of Rolling Hills will know that we exist in part to get to this city and to be able to reach a next generation of college students and young adults. And we're thrilled with the story that God is writing for us to be a part of that and the students and the young adults who are coming and linking arms and being a part of this to put this as their place where they're growing in faith. Now we say right from the beginning, there's a mission statement for Rolling Hills, and it's this, that Rolling Hills Community Church exists to bring glory to God, you can see it on the screens, by reaching people for Christ and then nurturing them in faith through inspired worship. I love what we get to do together on Sunday mornings. Genuine community and passionate ministry that transforms lives in our neighborhoods and around the world. That's literally why we are here and why we exist and what it means for us to be a church body together. And if we're linking into one of those axioms this morning, just, just one of those reasons why we exist to bring glory to God by reaching people for Christ and nurturing them in the faith, yes, through inspired worship, but then also through genuine community. I love what we get to do here on Sunday morning. Each one of these chairs was meticulously and carefully placed for you here today. It was occupied by somebody else in the first service, but I believe that God has specifically ordained for you to be in the spot that you're in, to hear the words that you're hearing, to, to sing the songs that you sang, to engage the people that you're engaging for your spiritual growth and for his glory. But I'll say this still, circles are better than rows. And it's just as important, if not more important, than you engage the life of a small group of believers and in a fellowship, in a Bible study, as a part of one of our midweek ministries where you come back here on Wednesday nights and you link up with a group of people who are studying the Word of God together or where you go to a home and be a part of a community group and you circle up around somebody's living room to study God's Word and to pray together and then to know one another deeply and intimately and to walk together as believers in Jesus Christ who are called to this. Now, that mission statement is a little bit long. It's a little bit clunky. I don't want to require anybody in the room to memorize it. But on a T-shirt, we could put the vision statement. It's a people of God reaching out, growing up, and giving our all. 
And so today we're leaning in. We talked about reaching out last week. We're leaning into the idea of, of what it means to grow up, what it means to, to be Christ's fully formed body, a fully mature, somebody that's always becoming more Christ-like and studying his word and applying it to our lives and understanding what it means. And I'm excited about where we'll be together today. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to turn them to the book of First Peter. That's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. But I've got a question for you. We're still fresh on the heels of it. Did you travel over Christmas? How many of you went somewhere? Yeah, we did too. Um, we tend to travel over the holidays to see grandparents and extended family members. My wife Susan and I, we have three kids and they're growing up fast and getting bigger and taking up more room. And so we traveled to not just North Carolina, but also South Carolina and then to Alabama for the week following Christmas leading into New Year's. And I always think in my mind that we can do better when we pack and go on a really long extended road trip. In fact, I prompt my family every single time, hey guys, let's pack for this road trip where we're about to load up the car in the same manner that we would if we were under the regulations of the airlines and they only gave us so much space. It never happens. It doesn't matter if we're gone for two days or ten days or an entire month. We always pack as if we're going to be there for a calendar year. Nobody can get it all into a small bag that will fit in an overhead compartment. And so we pack up the Ford Explorer with not one but two adults and three large children, uh, 16, 14, and 10, to go on a road trip to three states. And it was not only our luggage, but it was Christmas presents for all of the people that we were going to encounter in not one, but two, and three states. And not only did we take all five of us and all five of our luggage and three states worth of presents, we also took the golden doodle. She is, you can see her stature next to the 10-year-old. Girl is big. She's 79 pounds, because I don't want to be too specific. It would hurt her feelings. Um, she's a big girl. This is me holding her. She is um, completely convinced that she's still puppy-sized, but she's not. Sunny the Golden Doodle is, I think, just perfect in every way, um, except she takes up a lot of room, and she doesn't know how to take up less room. Doesn't know, like no clue how she can quite, I'm glad you moved the picture off because I was getting distracted by how cute she is. Focus, Nick Allen. She takes up a lot of space and she doesn't know how to take up less space. Some of you just clued in because there's some people in your lives, I'm not saying it out loud, um, that take up a lot of space. They don't know how to take up less space. I'll let you and the Holy Spirit deal with that and what your next steps are in life in this moment. But I'll also say this. We all have some things in our life that take up a lot of room, that occupy a lot of thoughts, that, that cause us a lot of challenges. We have some things in our lives that take up a lot of room, and they don't know how to take up less room. And because they take up so much room, we get filled up and we don't have room for other better right things. And so we're in the book of First Peter this morning and we're starting in chapter one. And, and, and this is really important for us. Your notes say this morning and you can fill in blanks as we go that, 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 that you do what's serious to you. 
Like, we do the things that are important to us. If it's important to us, we'll do it. And if it's not important to us, we'll let it slide and maybe not focus on it in the manner that we should. Now, now let it also be known and also be true that sometimes we do the things that are not important to us. Like, we do the things that we shouldn't do. And Paul talks about that in the book of Romans. He says, like, the thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I should do, I don't do. The thing that I shouldn't do, I do do. I know I just said do do, but it's okay. We're, like, moving through this because we understand there are some things that we engage in life, some things that occupy space and room and time and property in our zones that don't belong there and that don't draw us closer to the person of Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, what we have to focus on and what we have to understand is that once we recognize what is serious and what is important, that is the thing that we'll do. First Peter writes his word to a group of people who are dispersed all over the Roman Empire, all over Asia Minor, and the reason they're that way is because they're being persecuted. 30 years after the ascension of Jesus, after the command of Jesus to, to go and to make disciples in all nations, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Like those words about reaching out, Jesus has ascended back to heaven and has left Peter and the other apostles on their own, filled up with the Holy Spirit so that they can plant the church. And it has been a movement of people coming to faith in Christ and now being nurtured in the faith through, if you read the book of Acts, inspired worship and genuine community and passionate ministry, the world around them is literally being transformed in front of their very eyes. But the persecution of the Roman government is so difficult, they're now scattered everywhere. And so 30 years later, probably around 62 AD, Peter writes these words to a group of people who are in the fire. And he tells them to take courage because the stuff that they're enduring is going to prove the genuineness of their faith. We know that just a couple of years later, sometime between 64 and 67 AD, Peter himself was martyred for his faith, but it wasn't before he had had a chance to write these words. I'll pick up in verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious. Some of your Bible translations say sober, and we know what that means. Be serious and set your hope completely on the grace of to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Like the, the finishing of our faith is going to happen when Christ's return. And that's when you're going to fully see the completeness of his grace. Go ahead and set your hope on that because it's going to happen. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Don't read that word ignorance as stupidity. Read it as blindness because there was a way that they lived and a way that they behaved and a way that they thought was completely acceptable before they came to faith in Christ. And he's telling them, don't live life like that way anymore, way back when you didn't know any better. Like you've said that before. Maybe somebody said that to you before. Maybe you moms in the room have uttered that to your kids when they saw the bad behavior of another. It's okay, sweetheart. They just don't know any better. There is a moment in our lives when we don't know any better, but because of Jesus Christ, we can't say that anymore. And so Peter writes to them and says, hey, listen, don't live your life the way that you did when you didn't know any better. Live your life according to the grace that's been given to you through Jesus. It says in verse 15, but as the one, it's talking about Christ, who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. He's quoting the book of Leviticus, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. And if you address as father, like Jesus invited us to call God our father. If you address as father, the one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in fear, that sort of for worship during the time of your temporary residence. Like we're only on this planet earth for a short time. 
Like we're here as temporary aliens and residents. Like we're camping out until Jesus comes back. This is the short part of our existence. And it says in verse 18, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty. I didn't know any better way of life. And you inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. And then it says he was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of times for you, who through him are believers in God. Our salvation is through Christ and Christ alone, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And then it says, by obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love for the brothers, like love for one another that's not fake, love for one another that's not disgenuine, love for one another that's coming from who we are in Christ. Like we can love one another that earnestly from a pure heart, it says in verse 23, since you have been born again, that means you're a new creation, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. It's everlasting through the living and enduring word of God. And he quotes the prophet, for all flesh is like grass and its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fails. Everybody in the room like me over the age of 40 is saying, amen. Stuff just fades, Nick Allen. But the word of God, these bodies will pass away. But the word of God endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to us. I was given my very first 365-day-a-year devotional when I was in the seventh grade by a youth pastor. It, it had the days of the calendar year at the top, like, this is what you read on January 1st. This is what you read on January 2nd. This is what you read on April the 3rd. This is what you read on August the 4th. And it would take you through an entire calendar year. I was not only given my very first 365-day-a-year devotional, but I completed my first 365-day-a-year devotional. It was by Dr. Tony Evans, and it had a verse at the top a little bit of an explanation of what that verse meant and a prayer. I didn't even have to come up with my own prayers. I just pray the words that it gave me at the bottom to be drawn closer to Christ. And the title of the book was kind of a play on words. It says, Time to Get Serious. It was the title. Time to get serious. And it was time. The youth pastor looked at me in my life and said, hey, Nick Allen, it, it's time in your life. You're of an, you're of an age. You're of a maturity level, mm, sort of. Um, you're like leaning into a time in life when you ought to get serious about the faith that you've placed in Jesus. So it's time to get serious, but it also takes time to get serious. You've got to set aside time every day to get serious about your faith. And that word serious right there, pretty much from the word serious in 1 Peter 1.13, the idea of being sober mean, means to be calm and collected in spirit. Now you're thinking to yourself, Nick Allen, the devotional did not work because you are neither calm nor collected in spirit. I get it. But the goal is that we would be temperate that we would be serious about and focused on this word. I'll say it's in your notes this morning if you want to be a person that's filling out things and writing things down in the scripture, that a disciple is a growing believer. Somebody who's always growing, like on the increase, somebody who's moving in a direction to, to grow and mature in their faith. We never completely arrive, but we're always moving in the direction of Christ-likeness. We're not going to say that a disciple is a believer in Jesus Christ. We're going to say that a disciple is a growing believer in Jesus Christ, a follower. The, the, the word for disciple in the New Testament scripture is the Greek word methetes, and it means pupil, learner, 
disciple. It's where we get the name Matthew. So if, that, if your name is Matthew this morning, we know that that's where your name comes from. It's one who learns. And that's who we are in Jesus. A disciple is a growing believer in Jesus, somebody that's learning and somebody that's following him. If we're going to do that, it's about what we subtract. Now, I know we didn't say mathlete. We said mathlete, which is different, but we are going to do some math this morning. It's about what we subtract. Because First Peter, if you lean into chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Rid yourselves of all the things that you had as a part of your life when you didn't know any better. There's some things in our life that are occupying some space in our life, and they need to occupy less space in our life. In fact, in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ, these things need to occupy no space in our life. And we're leaning into a weekend where a lot of us have a holiday tomorrow, whether it's a holiday from school or a holiday from work. And we know that it's a day when we honor uh, the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. You didn't read the word racism in here, but you talk about malice and hypocrisy and slander. It fits. Like there's some things that need to be subtracted from our lives it means that it's put aside. It means to be done. It means to be done. To be done with those things. Talk to the hand. I'm from the 1990s. We did that back then. Like there's no, there's no room for you here. There's no space in my life for these things. It is about what we subtract. Our life as believers in Jesus Christ is first about the things that are no longer part of our lives, and the next part is about what we add. Yeah, that's a good one, right? We're mathletes this morning. And not just what we add, but when we get to the point in our life when, when we multiply those things, when, when the goodness of God and the characteristics of Jesus Christ are not just added to our lives, but they're, they're multiplied in our lives. It says in verse 2, like newborn babies. We have some newborns in the life of our church, and I'm so excited. It says, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up. So you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This idea of craving, it's, it's a longing for, it's a desire, it's what we pursue. And the challenge in all of our lives as we look at math, there are some things that we need to subtract from our lives. There's some things that we need to add, some characteristics of Jesus that need to be multiplied in our lives. The problem is that so many of us are often living divided lives, and we can't do that. I just did you a favor this morning. Division is not required. In fact, division is dangerous in the life of a church, and it's dangerous in the heart of a believer. I'm not dividing my time between my old way of life and, and the new way of life that I'm supposed to take on as a follower of Jesus. I'm not splitting my moments and sharing that space. It takes up too much room, so it's got to be eliminated so that I can focus on the good things that, that God has for me and the good things that Christ wants to do in me. We have a discipleship guide at Rolling Hills. In fact, I put them at all of the tables when you're walking out this morning. They're just scattered around the room, and you can grab one of them. And it, it talks about what it means to be a follower and how you can take active steps towards growth in Christ in your life. And it says this, throughout history, right from the beginning, followers of Christ 
have been intentional. It doesn't just happen on accident. All of the subtraction, all of the addition, all of the multiplication, the avoidance of the division does not happen on accident. It takes an intentional outlook, intentional behaviors, intentional practices. We've been intentional about making core biblical practices part of our regular lives. Like that's the goal. It says in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 24, um, Jesus did a lot of miracles, and they're so cool. But more miracles, more than miracles, he taught words and gave meaning. And in most of those, like the bulk of what he gave us in teaching was given through parables and illustrations that people could understand, that they could gravitate to, that they could hang their hat on, that they could comprehend what his word meant. His longest recorded sermon for us is the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, chapter 5 through 7, and at the conclusion of it, at the conclusion of every single point he made, every single example he gave, every single instruction for obedience he offered, he summed it up by saying this, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man, a wise man, who built his house on the rock. It's not enough that we hear these words. It's not enough that we read these words. It's not enough that we study these words. It's not enough that we understand these words. We actually have to apply these words in order to be like the man who built his house on a rock. And so we talk about a lot um, daily and weekly and monthly spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices that we put into our lives. If you want to write some of these down this morning, they're given to you as a list on your worship. And maybe figure out, okay, which which is the one that I need to add? And what am I going to subtract so that I have room for it in my life? And the first is Bible reading. We have a, a daily Bible reading plan called The Daily Step. It's available in print here in the back of the room. It's also available on our mobile app, and it helps you follow through Scripture and read it every day. Maybe it's a devotional book that you need. I can recommend highly Time to Get Serious. I don't even know if it's still in print because I read it in the 1900s, but it's a good one. There are tons of other Bible reading plans. You can have Bible reading plans that take you through the entire Bible in a calendar year, all the way from Genesis through the end of Revelation, and some of them go in book order like they're presented to us in Scripture, and some of them you can find and do in chronological order from the timing of the events in the order that they happened, regardless of what kind of plan you use and what kind of study helps you use. Daily Bible reading, where we're taking in these words and hearing what they say and understanding what they mean and hiding them in our hearts, Psalm 119, so that we may not sin against God, it matters. You're thinking, I just don't have time. But it is time. So what do you need to subtract so that you can add this in its place? And then also prayer. Just a daily ongoing conversation and communication and really a communion with God. What are you saying to him? What are you presenting to him as an act of trust and as an act of desperation? What are you telling him that you need? And how are you listening for his response? And then weekly we talk about worship. I'm glad you're here. We gather together to to sing songs and to study words and to say prayers in in a picture of corporate worship. If you don't like corporate worship now, I can go ahead and tell you that heaven will be a struggle. Because that's what we're going to do with all saints for all time. Present our our worship to, to Christ and to Christ alone, but then also service. 
I'll say this, I've had a lot of conversations. I've not been at Rolling Hills for 20 years, but I've been here for going on 16, and I've had a lot of conversations through the years with people who were taking a step away from or moving out of Rolling Hills, and sometimes it's super sad. They're like moving to Texas or New York or someplace far away, and we, we miss our friends, but sometimes it's just for one reason or another. Somebody has decided, I don't like it here anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else, and I can happily tell you Nashville is full of awesome churches. I'm privileged to know and connect with and be in community with a number of pastors in the area. And so if you ever need a recommendation, I can rattle six off the top of my head, like right now before you leave today, of great places that you should try and that I may one day too, who knows. But in most of those moments, the conversations that I've had, in some of them I've gotten up the nerve to say, and in some of them it's been really hard. People are taking a step back from church and a step back from the growth opportunities that are here. And the first thing that I want to offer is, well, you know, Pastor Nick, I'm not growing. Tell me where you're serving. You cannot present for me a believer in Jesus Christ who is growing in their faith and not serving in some capacity. They may be learning a lot of words, but unless they're applying the truth of what it says, they are not growing. So we have a ton of opportunities here, whether they're Sunday morning opportunities or community opportunities or just an avenue to help you find other opportunities, but you will not grow in your faith to the degree that you hope to grow in your faith. You will not grow in your faith to the degree that you think a believer in Jesus Christ should be growing in their faith if you are not seizing an opportunity to use your gifts, your time, your talent, your resources, your sacrifice to serve a local church, to serve the community around you. And that's actually the next word, community. And so this morning, as a part of group link, where you can scan the QR code on your worship guide or in the back of the room where we have a little mock living room set up, we invite you to do that. We want you to get into a community. It would be really hard for me to know all the whatever number of people there are in this room right now, um, and I would love to, but I could know a group of 12 really well. And you can too. Some of you are like, man, it takes a lot for me to go into a room this size. Um, well, I want to go ahead and warn you about next week. We'll put that on the sidebar. It takes a lot of effort to come into a room like this. No shame on the introverts. But we want to invite you to be in a small group of people. Studying God's word together. Supporting one another. Praying for one another. Pursuing Christ together. That community, that circle, that is the lifeblood of the church and so find me a place that you're serving. Find me a, a tight-knit community that you belong to, and I'll find you a growing believer in Jesus Christ. Rest is a part of that. In six days, God created the heavens and the earth and the world and everything that was in it. And on the seventh day, he rested, not because he needed it, but because of the example that he was setting for those of us who do. We need a pause every week as a part of the rhythm of our lives and then also missional living. Who are you out there looking for? We did a whole series this past semester on these five eyes to invest in relationships and identify people who need to know Christ and inform them about the gospel and invite them to know Jesus. That's missional living and we ought to be doing that every day, all day, outside the doors of this church, looking for people who need hope and being a people who are prepared to tell them where to find it. It's in Jesus. And then monthly, as a part of our spiritual disciplines, we engage in giving. We know that that's a part of the fruit-filled, obedient life of the believer in Jesus Christ, to tell God that we trust him with our resources. Fasting, 
That's going to back up the subtraction thing that we say in our lives because sometimes it's fasting from bad behaviors, but sometimes it's fasting from good things just so that you and I can be in tune with the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we can eliminate something from our life and put something else, prayer, Bible reading, service, sacrifice in its place. Richard Foster, a guy who wrote a whole book called The Celebration of Discipline, and that's where all of these things find their root. He says this, more than any of the other disciplines, Fasting reveals the things that control us. So we want to take a step back. Eliminate some things from our lives so that we can add something else in its place. And one of the things that we want to always add is a a spot to be silent. a, A spot to be alone. To engage. The other half of the group is saying, I hate being alone. It's good for us to make as a part of the regular rhythm of our lives. Moments to be quiet where we just Listen, moments to be alone in the same manner that Jesus would often go into the garden alone or go up to the hilltop alone in order to pray and spend time with his father. You and I need that. And it's because the world is so noisy. There's all kinds of media like television and radio. I told you I was from the 1900s. Um, But other things too, things that are so noisy and things that command so much attention in our lives, things that take up so much space. And social media does not know how to take up less room. Entertainment does not know how to take up less of a footprint in your life. It takes an intentional practice to shrink that back and to subtract those things in order to be able to add better things into who you are and how you follow Jesus. It's not enough for us to make time to get serious. Oh, hospitality and fruit of the Spirit. Don't want to leave those out. The picture of the Jewish household in the first century was that they had a door on every single corner of their house so that from the east, north, south, and west, they were always prepared to welcome a stranger. Who are you including at your table? Who are you sitting across from at coffee? Who's really different and has a different worldview and a different social experience and a different lived experience that you can learn from? And that you can share time with. That picture of hospitality that was painted for us in the Old Testament was not sacrificed for the new. As Jesus went around and ate with tax collectors and sinners and he was often ridiculed for it. Last week we talked about the idea of reaching out to the community around us. And if you are not actively reaching out and welcoming in, it's probably because you're part of the reason keeping people out of faith. And so we want to be hospitable. And engage the life of a believer, adding the fruit of the Spirit to who we are and the characteristics and the nature of Christ. We hung banners all over our auditorium in the early part of the fall that said love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They were huge, and they were visual representations and reminders for us that these are supposed to be the ways that the world describes us. We're supposed to be known as a people who are loving, patient, peaceful, full of joy, kind, and good-natured, and and self-controlled, like that's the way that we're supposed to be characterized, and there ought to be something, some regular rhythm as a part of our daily, weekly, and monthly practices where we are growing to look less like ourselves and more like Jesus. Growing up is about getting serious, but it's also about staying focused, because any one of us can fall away at any time. It says in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 1 says this, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, 
to what we have heard. Like this gospel good message that we've heard and the truth of how Jesus calls us to live that we've understood, we got to keep paying attention to that. We got to keep reading about that. We got to keep praying about that. We got to keep gathering in people's homes and talking and learning about that. We've got to keep sitting in moments of silence and solitude so that we can focus on that. We've got to keep serving other people within the church and outside the walls of the church so that we can remain true to that. We've got to pay attention to it so that we do not drift away. And that idea of paying attention is the Greek word prosecco. It's not what you're thinking. It just sounds the same. And it means to bring near. It's like a boat that's coming onto the shore. It's we've got to be close to that. We've got to be near to this word, attentive to this word, near to our church, attentive to the needs within it. We've got to be focused so that... We don't drift away. That's the Greek word parahueo. And I just think it's fun to say parahueo. And it means to slip. Whenever I think of the word slip, I think of two things. One, I think of slipping on a, like a wet patch and falling down. But then I also think of something just slipping, something just slipping my mind that I just forgot. I read a meme not too long ago, and it was, how do you know if you're old? And it said underneath it, fall down in front of a large group of people. If they laugh, you're still young. But if they gasp and run over to you, and I'm tempted to do that this morning. I, I thought to myself, what if I just accidentally stumble down the stairs and see how you guys respond? Then I'll know. I, if we don't pay attention, we'll slip. It's a watch your step kind of moment. And it can happen to any one of us. If, if we don't pay attention, it won't just be slipping down the stairs, but it, it could just be something slipping our minds, just, just forgetting something that's important. And this is why it matters. Because Jesus didn't conclude his Sermon on the Mount by saying, hey, whoever hears these words of mine and does what they say is like the wise guy who built his house on the rock. Bravo. No, he continued. He said, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, but Jesus, he kept on going. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When I read these words in my mind, I don't ever say, the rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew. I say, when the rain comes, when the streams rise, when the winds blow, because it's not an if. We're just guaranteed to have trouble in this life. We're just guaranteed to have challenges. We are just guaranteed to have problems. It's not if the rain falls. It's not if the streams rise. It's not if the wind blows. It's when. 
We're all going to face it. And the only people who are going to withstand it and the only people who are going to be caused not to slip and fall away because of it are those who have their houses built on the rock. And the people who have their houses built on the rock aren't just the ones who know this. They're not just the ones who study this. They're not just the ones who can find it real fast because they memorized it when they were kids. They're not just the ones who show up for this. They're the ones who apply this. To be a growing believer in Jesus Christ means that you hear these words and heed these words. At the end of the day, it's you and I asking and answering the question, how much room does Jesus take in our lives? He doesn't know how to or like to take up less space in you. It's an ever-increasing more room that Christ wants. He spreads out. When we were going on our trip this Christmas, um, we were fortunate to have a third row in the back of that SUV, and we popped up those seats, which makes a whole lot less room for luggage and presents, but we popped up those back seats, and Simon, the 10-year-old, was sitting in one of them, and Sonny, the golden doodle, was spread out across all of them, (laughs) just not fully recognizing how to take up less room. The goal for us is that Christ would take up all the room, that he would spread out into every area of our lives and just take up all the space. And we want it to be big. We want it to be weighty. We want to notice that he's there. That's what we pray for you. That's what this message in this series is about. That's what our church mission and vision is that we would be a people of God, reaching out because we want to see more people come to faith in Christ, but then growing up, that there would be an ever-increase in the way that we become more Christ-like, that he would spread out and take up more room in our lives. And in order for that to happen, we've got to subtract some stuff and eliminate some stuff and get some things out of the way so that Christ can literally be in every single corner, in every single conversation, In every single area of our lives, we just want him to take up all the room. That's what it means to be a growing believer in Jesus Christ. And it takes intentional steps, daily, weekly, monthly practices for you and I to develop rhythms in our life so that we can continue seeing Christ spread out over all of it. That's the end of the episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Make sure you click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a sermon. Also, don't keep this sermon to yourself. Share it with your friends and family. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, go ahead and download our app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. Happy New Year and happy 20th anniversary, church. We hope you'll continue to join us this year and beyond as we keep reaching out, growing up, and giving all together.